The dating app OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them, from food to the type of relationships they want to politics. They ask you really thoughtful and provoking questions to get to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. Download the OkCupid app. It's free. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Greetings and salutations, disaster divas. We return once again for your weekly allotment of uh, delightful catastrophes. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And I think t- I think this week we might be at odds, me and Amanda, talking about um, wh- war- weather wars and or storm wars, depending on your preference. Yeah. I, you know, not at odds, Jordan. I just would say that this is one of those times where you came in a lot more amped than I. Almost surprisingly more amped. I had a, I had and a great I'm curious time. to hear. Yeah. I had a great time with this. This is, which is fascinating because this was not as I was watching it, a movie where I was like, oh, this is going to be a Jordan. Like sometimes I can be like, ah, oh, this is a Jordan movie. Like I can just sense it. This is going to be a Jordan. <laughs> Jordan's going to love this. And this was not one of those times where I predicted it. So mm-hmm. can't wait, Jordan. Let's, I mean, do you want to give a quick synopsis of what, what Weather Wars is about? Uh, yeah, it is, you know, fortunately, we have brother uh, tension. It is about uh, there have been mysterious weather, mysterious deadly weather events happening around Washington, D.C., and a pair of estranged brothers have to come together uh, when they realize that their, like, scientist genius dad is probably the one responsible for doing it because he had this project, I think it was, was it called, like, Project Thunderhead? Yeah. That he had been working on for years in the U.S. government that was um, stripped of its funding and, like, decried as dangerous, and he vowed vengeance on his enemies who didn't believe in him, those, like, the enemies in government. And so he, um, they're like, wow, this sounds like our dad. Uh, we better come together to stop this mad genius from uh, killing people with targeted weather events, weaponized weather. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that is what they set out to do. And I just thought it executed just right. And I personally think the cast was great. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I they definitely – so one thing I've got to give them credit for, the sheer density of weather events – yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know what? Like, fantastic. Because you, when you come into you come into a, sh- a, mo- a movie like Weather Wars, and I was not sure what exactly we were gonna get, but there was yeah. ball lightning, there were tornadoes, they yep. just there was hail. I mean, like, just give it, a, give it all. Red, there was red rain, oh, right. blood. The sky, the sky rained rain? blood. Yeah. Which honestly, like that that that's how the movie starts off, and like that's probably the thing that had the least impact on me and i was like good good job guys density of density of disaster was really high on this film yeah gotta commend them for that well and i mean there is an incredible moment in the midst of a massive storm when the top of the washington monument yes breaks loose and flies into the lincoln memorial and fucking destroys it 
That yeah. was amazing to watch. That was really inspired. Like that, that was, was that was great. a great that was a great yes and moment for me. Was that they're uh, like yeah. It's not just that the top of the Lincoln Monument or the Washington Memorial is going to just snap in half from wind event. Yeah. But then that will send it skyrocketing to just completely dist- – I mean, because they, they trash Washington in this film. <laughs> they did. Watching like, the Capitol Dome get destroyed, super cool looking. The yeah. Pentagon gets fucked up by a lightning storm and it catches on fire. That's awesome. It was, it was all really trim- – like, they really took it to every single, like – any monument you might recognize in Washington, they did a great job being like, how can we best destroy this thing? Yeah, um, and I want to point out, like, this was made in, I think it was 2011. Yes. So this isn't, I mean, it's removed from 9-11, but when they destroyed, when they had the Pentagon catching on fire, I was like, whoa, that's, and they reference it. They're like, what first responders are referring, uh, yet another national monument that first responders are now referring to as ground zero. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, damn, we're yeah. going there. Okay, yeah. we're just buckling right the fuck in on this one. I rarely root for a romance um, in these movies. I rarely root for a straight romance because I've uh-huh. had enough. Um, I liked the little tension between lady scientist and cop scientist. <gasps> um, really? I, yeah, I did. I was Oh my God. It. I liked her. I, I, I liked, liked yeah. So to explain, there is Lady Scientist who was the dad Marcus's research assistant or like grad student. And when his funding got pulled, she lost the job. And then she's the one who's like, I think this is your dad. And she goes and finds the brothers. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And older cop – so older brother is a cop. They're both geniuses. Um, And older brother is a cop. And he's also Jason London, Jeremy London's brother. Yes. And I – there's like a push pull of the younger brother being into her and the older brother kind of like all of a sudden is into her. I was I was not into Jason London as a romantic lead. I did like the chemistry with her and younger brother. I I liked Jason London in this role. Okay. Because it was it really felt like I really believe that he was somebody who didn't want to be involved in this bullshit. Yes. But like knew he had to. There was just a very is kind of like the the stoic brother who is estranged from the family because like yeah. he hated his dad and stuff like that. And then the other brother, the actual like who want, pursued science, um, he uh, he like worshipful of their father. And he, I don't know, I just thought they had good. I thought they had good strained brother chemistry. Yeah. I thought Jason London was a good sort of like no nonsense. Uh, I don't want anything to do with you, guy. I don't want anything to do with dad. Kind of like I'm, I'm a like you know he gets made fun of for like being a traffic cop, uh, yeah. guy without being like it wasn't like overly gruff. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't like unnecessarily misogynist. There wasn't like some sort of John Wayne complex that he had. He just felt like a just a very sincerely normal person. And then uh, Samantha, uh, lady scientist Samantha, I thought. Like, obviously, she's going to take a backseat because women always do in these movies. Um, But I liked her. And I liked the, I liked that there was a, that the tension that was between them was never anything that diverted from the job they were doing. Like, it it wasn't like, oh, we need to interrupt 
stopping these weather-based assassinations to like flirt with each other. I I like there was there's actually a, I thought a very well handled moment when um they're in the like once uh once the the brothers and lady scientists become part of like the government operation to stop their dad to stop uh, Stacy Keach who when he's given the opportunity to monologue in this movie is oh. a perfect villain I I was so, he he gives like an address to like my. Hearing when somebody he, say, like, not my fellow citizens, but my fellow Washingtonians in a doomsday speech. In a doomsday speech, yeah. which he has hacked into everybody's, like, cable feeds. So he's being yeah. projected onto every screen in Washington. Yeah. Perfect. I I totally bought him. I was like, yeah. this is why this is not, like... Because Stacey Keach, a, 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 a strong acting career, like a, a good, steady Hollywood yeah. figure. I was like, this is this moment is why this role is not just a throwaway for him. I'm actually super into Stacey Keach in this role. Like now, when he's like, the beginning of the movie, he's kind of like the batty sort of like street preacher figure who's c- calling out Doomsday. And, and, and he seems like, you know, the unreliable, unstable man. Yeah. I, him doing that was like, oh no, like it's a tacky role. Like they're having him just be so over the top. And I was worried that was going to be the whole movie, but it's not. So when he gets to just be cold calculating villain Stacey Keach, I was like, oh, this is actually, I hope you had, like, I hope this was a good day's work for you. And then, but what I was saying but there, the moment I thought was actually handled very well, where there was just like, great, great, almost rom-com elements of this, where they're in like the government center, the brothers and Samantha, and like she leaves and starts walking down a corridor and passes uh passes Jason London and she walks past him and does like a turn and she's gonna talk to him and then there's like oh nope never mind and does like a turn back around and starts walking away <laughs> and he's walking down the hall Jason London like turns around and peers back down the hall is looking at her like should I say something I was like oh that was kind of cute like this is you feel like it's actually setting it up to the point yeah. where I feel like so often in these sort of especially like down market disaster movies the romantic arc is a, a suggestion at one point early in the movie that there might be interest between two characters. And then in the end, they like end up together for some reason. And it's like, we had nothing to suggest these people were actually, there was any chemistry between this. Like Ming-Na Wen and Nicholas Turturro yeah. at the end of their super cyclone storm movie. Again, I never remember the titles. <laughs> it was super cyclone. Um, or super, 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 yeah, cyclone. Super cyclone. Yeah. Um, that was just like, what the fuck? Like they're they're cuddling while he like, as you pointed out, while he has this wedding ring on after he's yeah. been rescued from a fridge in the middle <laughs> of the ocean. Like, what is this right now? This I actually felt like by the time by the time you see their resolution and yeah. they're holding hands, it's like, oh, we earned this. And there is a tension you can tell that yeah. the brother the other brother does like her, mm-hmm. but he gets like a great villain, potential villain origin story. Moment I, in this. So that was the thing I liked about this. So what I would say, I loved from it. Like, I thought that was really well done. So from like, as somebody who, who's like, my favorite thing is, is rom-coms and like, that's, I, yeah. I like, that's my, my, my kind of my wheelhouse and my happy place. Um, mm-hmm. One of the big differences narratively that this movie had that most of the other ones <clears throat> that we've watched don't have is mm-hmm. that, she, Samantha, Dr. Samantha, Lady Samantha, has yeah. a way more. She is from the beginning the one who sparks, who's interested. Yes. We see that yes. register on her from the minute she shows up at Jason London's 
Brother Jason London's surprisingly nice apartment, which I want to get to that later. The for dry reality, humor of this movie worked quite well. Yeah, for reality index, I want to get into that too. But but like from that moment on, she's just like he she, he's shirtless. She walks in, she just has like the damn look on her face. Yeah, so yeah. We get like an ongoing sort of sense that she is interested in him, and I always got the vibe for I got the vibe from this movie that like if she had not consistently shown interest in him he would not have registered her as a human. And uh-huh, that's uh-huh. kind of like the vibe you get from him as a character is that like he's divorced, sure. he's not interested. He's divorced, yeah. Yeah, and he's not interested and he doesn't want to be involved in any of this and she's kind of into, as a whole, him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that because of that, that is a thing that made it work and made it a way more compelling kind of dynamic and more of a like, oh, okay, I'm into this because – Every like versus a lot of the other movies that we've watched where we're always like that woman is just trying to do her job. Like, um, yeah. Oh God, Stonados. Like the yeah, Stonados yeah. were like la- that heavily made up cop that is cop just was trying just to do trying to do her, her job. fucking job, and she just want to be sexually harassed by her brother's horrible, gross newscaster friend. And yes, yeah. Um, and by the end yep. of it, he just like wears her down, and there was no sense in this movie that like she was being worn down. Which is yeah. what so many of these other ones tend to have is that like oh you just you just harangued her into into loving you yeah and and also th- that the 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 younger that the younger brother does yeah. have an interest in her too when because there's there's a great kind of like I would totally take the Storm Wars sequel um where we get yes. to see the brother be the bad guy like he has this great villain villain origin story moment where he's it, it works it's it's a perfect example of ham fisted exposition yeah. where he like logs onto his live journal basically and it's like i haven't written in a while but writing helps me organize my thoughts and control my emotions since i like dad i'm not good at expressing them and he starts talking about how like i'm the only one i feel like i'm the only one who cares if dad lives like i know he's a good person no matter what he's done like he is so slavishly devoted to his father and he has this whole complex like daddy be proud of me sort of thing he's lying lining out all this stuff in his little journal and he's saying how, like, when we were growing up, you know, it was only my brother that mattered and he could do no wrong. Like, I worked so hard and all all, all dad ever wanted was for, you know, my brother to be his successor. And then he's like, you know, I feel like no one understands me. I feel like Samantha could, but, like, I don't know how to tell her. And I, there's a moment where he's like, I just can't find the words. Big surprise. Like, he's, he's like, self-flagged. He's just being this emo yeah. boy in his but like you get a sense from when they first encounter each other like oh there's going to be a kind of love triangle thing happening here mm-hmm. you get an immediate sense that the brother is interested in the girl oh yeah and that's not bad and it, i also like that they do a good job of establishing that early so when he's on his live journal screed it's not just like he's like and she likes my brother and fuck that bitch like some angry incel it's he doesn't just like her because she wants his brother and he wants to own her. It's not like just, a, it's not, it doesn't seem based in the competition of my brother gets everything so easily and I have to work so hard. He's legitimately interested in her. She's a scientist. She's really smart. Her interest in her interest level is the same level of, if, as his in their shared professional field. Like it is reasonable for him to have a crush on her. And it doesn't feel like this 
girls never like me. He just sincerely doesn't know how to express himself. So yeah. you get like the you get like the the social isolation from his blog post or like you know private journal. You get the like daddy issues, you get the sibling rivalry, and he's just emphasizing how much he wants his dad to live. And that's when it's like, ooh, we're setting up for like he's helping his brother and Samantha and the government, mm-hmm. but he also is like equally rooting for his dad, so he can't really trust him. I thought that did a good job of capitalizing on the way they had laid the groundwork yeah. for Samantha's connection point to the two of them without making it some, again, some creepy incel thing where you have like the chauvinist, um, you know, um, what's his name? The famous American cowboy, John, this like chauvinist John Wayne style cop and this nerdy, um, resentful beta incel science guy. Yeah. And then like the lady scientist flaunting herself in front of them. It, that is so often what we see the kind of dynamic played out in these movies. And this one didn't do it. And I thought it actually earned its payoffs in its interpersonal relationships. That's, you know, I, I absolutely, I'm right there with you on that. Like the, one of the things that was funny to me was that when, okay, so we've got this like, the the dad, Marcus, is trying to kill the senator who had trashed, who who was the reason that he, his project got to, got defunded. And yeah. um they the brothers and Samantha are now at a military base and the senator is in charge of be, of like operation destroy Marcus mm-hmm. and the senator as yeah. the brother <laughs> as the younger brother walks away the the senator is like can we trust him not to go rogue and i was when he said that i yeah. was like i don't where are you getting that vibe from dude like he's been on board this mm-hmm. whole time like he hasn't been and mm-hmm. as we saw and then the turn happens where we do start to see like no 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 He's not quite all there. He's a little unhinged himself. Um, and yeah. I, I actually I liked that I didn't spend the whole movie being like, oh, how can you guys not see that he's very clearly identifies with yeah. his dad? Like, it wasn't obvious, and I enjoyed yeah. that aspect of it, and I appreciated <clears throat> it. Um, and it did really – like, they did a nice but job he, of making you really I want him – what's that? I think like there was that great, there was a very good like little, in, the, the head of DARPA, the guy who played the head of DARPA, that general was, mm-hmm. I, that actor is perfect. And he was just like, you know, your brother really needs to learn to be a team player. And just like these little things, like yeah. little tiny details where it's like, oh, he's not a team player. Maybe he's more aligned with dad. It wasn't these, like you said, it wasn't these, you know, so obvious and no one's talking about how this guy's a little out of alignment with the rest of the group. Yeah. But it also wasn't nothing. They did little explicit things to make you be like, oh, maybe he's not a team player yeah. kind of thing. And then he gets the live journal and you're like, ah, this is what we've been building to. They're like the care for continuity yeah. was so much more beyond what I typically expect from movies of this caliber that I was very pleased. Yeah, I was, I mean, like, uh, by the by the time that we got into third act, I was like, oh, damn, this is a movie that is a supervillain origin story, and I wasn't expecting yeah. supervillain origin story, but I was totally there for it. Like, that was, I'm right mm-hmm. there with you on that, that it was, it was a, it was a good, it, they did a good job of turning that around and making that fun. And I, well, and they're uh, like, I, continue. No, that was it. I was just going to say, I, I think it, like to go like to throw our timeline back into like, I think we should address the introduction of like the brothers coming together in the home yes. of Jason London. That's, that's what I was going to say. Was, I was like, and, and I was like, and I want to move into, that was exactly what my words were about to be was, I want to move into Jason London's apartment now, the largest Washington <laughs> DC apartment I've ever seen. I thought he was going into someone else's, I thought he was like on a call, yeah. answering, a, answering a call at some fancy person's apartment. Yeah. Because when he walks in, it's like, oh, this can't be his 
home. Right? Like, yes. This lo- this luxurious pad can't be his home. And they wisely yes. dis- like make note of like his brother is already in there waiting for him. He's like getting a beer out of his fridge. And he makes a joke about like his like sense of interior design style. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's the only thing I got in the divorce. And it's like, oh, okay, this is why you have this preposterous apartment, whatever this is. It was, it looked like if someone had decided to film on the, on a Z gallery. Yeah. Like that's, it was that Very much. Because like, it wasn't just that it was nice furniture. It was also that like there were. It was a whole vibe. There were three foot high letters by the front door that (laughs) I couldn't read what those letters said. But I really wanted to know what those letters said by the entryway. I have so many questions about uh, from a production standpoint. Why when Uh they were location, like whose house this is that they were like, fuck, man, we need a set. We don't we don't have the budget for it. All our budget's going into ball lightning and and blood rain. Whose house are we filming at today? Yeah. Because they it is is absurd. I hope that this was. Like their only, I hope that this was like somehow this became their only option. Yeah. So they were like, okay, we need to write around this. I 100% believe that. This is not, you can't, yeah, you can't not mention what's happening in this situation. And that, like, that they then build on that yeah. and make it a running joke throughout the movie about his interior design sensibility and like how like, nice his apartment is. Like, yeah, but it comes up on like possibly three separate occasions, I think, when there's a moment where like Jason London and Lady Scientist are having like he brings wine into her room. Yeah. And they're having a nice little moment where they don't force a kiss, which I really appreciate it. But she has and no pants it, on. She has no pants on. She has no pants on. We do see her getting mostly undressed to get in the shower. I was like, okay, of course you are. Um but and like also weirdly not like it was this weird almost they were like, well, we we haven't shown any stomach and it is 2011, so we do need to show her stomach. <laughs> But it was from like across the room. It wasn't like she was walking yeah. to into the camera like and taking her shirt off. Yeah. We're like looking through the room and there she's walking back and forth kind of in the little corridor, like taking her clothes off. Yeah, she's was walking very back and forth like business. in the bathroom. It was very businesslike. Um it was it was, <laughs> it was a matter of fast objectification, which, you know, if we're gonna have to get objectification, yeah. I'll take that. The camera had no point of view yeah. on her taking her clothes off. That is, I think we can say that. Versus, but they're like, you know they're- what it reminded me of actually was Dino Shark. Remember when she <laughs> <laughs> when she my sees God. when she does all the googling and then she like stands up because she knows she has to go find. Oh my! And she just God. stands up and just takes her shirt off, and we were like, "Why is this ha- okay? What the fuck is this? The most serious shirt removal I've ever seen in a film." It was like it was like this and that and in this movie and in Weather mm-hmm. War, it was like they had a note that was like, "Can you just have her take her clothes off once?" Yeah, like that. There was just a note, and so it was like they didn't care that it was going to happen. So there's like. Oh, can you can you take your top off? Like, yeah. <laughs> like just right now. Like, we not we don't do it again. We're not gonna like follow you with the lens, <laughs> but like we have one studio requirement, and it's that the woman takes her clothes off one time. <laughs> so can we just get this over with? And it was like, okay, yeah, sure. And so when they're having like the wine moment, yeah, she is like is is flirting with him, and, and Jason London is like. I'm pretty sure my brother's interested in you. And she's like, ah, he's not my type. And she's like, oh yeah, what is your type? And mm-hmm. she, I forget the first thing she says, but she says such and such with like a great sense of interior design. <laughs> it was like, yes, please bring this joke back for me because his apartment has not stopped being less weird this entire time. <laughs> and it was also kind of a great like specific moment too, which again, yes. that goes back to like, that goes back to the whole thing of how 
part of why this works is because she is very clearly the the pursuer. And the fact that she's yeah. not just being yeah. like, oh, he's not really my type and playing coy, but she's being like explicitly, what's your type? You. You are my type. That yeah. she is so clearly saying yes. it and saying it like with an attention to detail about him as a character is why it works. And so it's just like as a as as a writer, I was like, oh, that was that's the thing that I need to keep in mind. Like when I'm writing these sorts of flirtations. This is why this and works. And they're equals. Yeah. And they're equals. In fact, she's they, better at pretty a, much all it, the science, a, and they all kind of just let her be better at the science. Yeah. And, and there, there's not the weird dynamic of, yeah. like, she's some intern. Like, she interned for his father at one point, and that was how she got the research assignment with him. Mm-hmm. And she's not, like, some intern, and he's, like, the wiser, wise man who's, like, bossing her around or something. She's not pining after him with these, like, puppy dog eyes. Yeah. These are, like, adults that are, that, that, like, she's interested in him. And that, like, they just have this, like, sweet drink together. And then he's walking and he's like, have a good night. And it's like, oh, that was cute. That was cute. You don't quite know what it is yet. So you're not going to, like, try and capitalize on it. Um, I will say the, the single most unbelievable point of this movie to me is when they're out searching for um, Stacey Keach. Like, all three of them are out searching for Stacey. I love their little, like, trio. Yeah. And that they're like, and that the brother's like, let's take my car. And they're riding around in a gorgeous <laughs> classic drop-top car. Yeah. It's like, what the? Who, who just had somebody connected to this production? Maybe some producer just had resources. It's like, was this the producer's apartment? Was this the producer's car? And they just had access to these, like, weird luxurious things but i love that we into the film i love that he where they take his car because they can't take jason london's car anymore because he's wanted by the feds jason's london jason london's car by the way least believable thing about this whole film is that as a cop he drives a prius he does drive a prius he drives a prius like nothing about that character was like oh this is a man who drives a prius like a little black 20 you know 2010 prius nothing about that tracked and I was like, no, yeah. He would have been in like an old Ford Ranger. Yeah. He would have had an old little pickup. He's a truck guy. He was and a then truck they, guy. And then it's like, yeah, we need to, oh, we need to like, oh, his he's been tagged by the feds. We can't drive his Prius. Let's get in this really not discreet <laughs> blue convertible With classic car. Down. And we'll have the top down. We'll have the top down the whole time. Despite, it's like, yeah. okay. And so then they're, and, you know, with all this inclement weather about, let's have the top down. So they go looking for Stacey Keach and they go to like a sort of last known whereabouts place. Like, you know, they, they don't, I don't know that they're sure it's their dad yet, but they've heard about the sort of vagrant that's been hanging around being kind of suspicious. So they go to like a Samantha a mission. knows that he's, no, Samantha knows because she's like, I saw him. I that's don't right. think he saw me. He looked like a homeless guy. And then they're like, well, let's go that's to places it. where there would be like people who need Services. resources. Yeah. Yeah, like they go to like a food bank area and there's like a priest presiding over mm-hmm. everything. And so they get there and they're standing there and there's the moment of recognition. Stacy Stacy Keach is walking up and then he sees his kids and then he like flips over a table and starts running from them. He makes one turn around a corner and then Stacy Keach disappears. He fucking disappears. His two young, able-bodied sons in hot pursuit lose him immediately. When it started happening, I was like, they're not going to have him outrun his kids. So but instead, he disappears, leaving only a hat behind. Like, it was so, it was like, what the fuck? I will take ball lightning in the middle of like a government building. I will take blood rain, <laughs> but Stacey Keach either outrunning or just evanescing out of the frame <laughs> to avoid capture right now. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm wow. So, I'm so glad that this also, because I was like, no, that this was, just has to be my brain. Like, as soon no, as Stacey Keach sees much. them, 
he throws a table in their path and then like takes off running in a long coat and the young able-bodied brothers, one of whom is a cop and presumably like chases yes. chases suspects. He has already apprehended a criminal yeah. earlier in this movie, showing his like physical prowess. Yeah, like he ha- he does hand-to-hand grappling, and instead, like Stacy Keach just outruns him. And I was like, what the Out. fuck? Just just motors away around a corner and disappears, Absolutely leaving behind crazy. But the best thing is that he has removed his disguise in this process yes. as if his sons, once he no longer has on his hat and long coat, his sons will be like, yep. oh no, where is he gone? We can't recognize dad we can't anymore. Find him now. He's not wearing was, the hat. It was the it was such a weird and wonderful it like it was the most slapdash <laughs> choice made in this entire fucking movie. I I mean, and the moment you know it's gonna happen, when like you see them, it's like, okay, they're way too close for him to disappear into a crowd. There is no crowd. They're not going to have him run, are they? This is an old man. And, and then he takes like off there's... on foot and it's like, mm. how is this going to go? And they just have him vaporize. Because it's not like he runs like into a crowd, like and like you said, a crowd, or nope. like into a downtown area where there's lots of doors nope. he could run into. He runs he into like in the a subway kind It's like of a thing. town square. Like it is a grassy open area, probably 50 it's feet. Empty. There's, There's not another nothing. fucking person in as sight. As far as we know, Stacy Keach actually teleported at that moment. At, absolutely. He ripped a hole open and dove through it, and it sent him back to the decommissioned nuclear power plant that he'd been making his headquarters. Like, it was the craziest thing in this whole movie. Absolutely. I like that was, thank you. <laughs> the two things, the two moments in this film that I specifically were like, I cannot believe this. Are were when we first yep. saw Jason London's apartment, and I was like, yep. absolutely the fuck yep. not. And nope. then Reality Index, I'm so grateful that this also because I was like, maybe I'm just being difficult, but no, it was mm-hmm. strikingly like, what the <laughs> fuck? Absolutely yeah. not. Is this this three people cannot can outrun Stacey Keach? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, none of these decades younger people can catch Stacey Keach on the <laughs> run. That was. <laughs> hilarious and because like we also have the apartment at that point and the apartment was such a silly insert it made i was just like i this is so fucking stupid i love this like this movie is gonna give us more continuity around like how to generate weaponized weather than it is stacy keach's land speed when he's (laughs) running Wow. Wow. <laughs> the land speed of Stacey Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just, it's it, like the scene, I hope everybody was like, we had to do, like, I hope on set they're like, we had to do something. Like, oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yeah, they just like, Meh. but I, and I appreciated that, like, I, I, you know, that was one of those things where, where I was fully okay with this movie not trying in certain aspects because it tried yes. so hard in other aspects. And this was one yes. of the times where I was like, this is absurd, and I don't believe this for a second, but I am 100% okay with it regardless, because I why also, not? I, I mean, just like I, how I was okay with later, like, so shortly after that, so they're, like, hot on the trail of Stacey Keach, and then, yeah. of course, the FBI, and they're, like, trying to warn mm-hmm. the senator. And the yeah, they've been trying via Samantha and then yeah. gradually more. They've been trying to warn authorities the entire film. Yes. And, like, and so Jason London is calling, is like, hey, 
the senator's life is in danger and the FBI is like, yeah. oh, you're making a threat on the senator. Yes, we understand yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. And so they track him down. They they like find mm-hmm. they they find him and they chase him into a parking structure yeah. and are foiled by state by the three, the you know, the little the trio hiding behind yeah. pillars. Yes. And I was like, And yeah. they have called I love that they call in I love that they call in Jason London's partner to help them with diversions twice. Twice? Like as as a way of of helping alleviate his two thousand dollar debt yes, that he owes. Thousands of dollars. Two thousand of dollars in debt. Jason London's partner owes him two thousand dollars. And it's like yeah. an, and not like in a in a bad way, but in like a you've lost a bunch of bets to me kind of way where but it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's considered legitimate. Like this is a thing that gets mentioned repeatedly, and Jason London yep. can keep being like the fact that Jason London is like, "Hey, I need you to come help me and be a diversion. I'll knock a thousand dollars off your debt," and it's yep. treated as a normal thing. Yep. Sure. And then when we when he has he calls him in a second time, he's like, "I'll clean the slate on your debt if you come help us again." He's like, "All right, I'm there." Yeah. Like, and two times he like in he obstructs justice basically <laughs> to help clear his personal debt to Jason London. Yeah. Which I just really enjoyed as the only thing we know about that cop. No, we the also know he really know. likes donuts. Like that oh, is yeah, that was a running right. every single time we featured, see him. Only featured eating donuts. Yeah. And like there was a little moment, like there was something about it where when we get we this character, I had a moment where I was like, how how does this feel both racist and fat phobic with only right. with like I didn't know that eating a donut could feel racist and somehow this man eat this because he's like he's a black man, he's he's overweight, and he's very clearly like this comic relief figure. And I was like, How yeah. is a black guy eating a donut racist? And right. I couldn't tell you how, but it feels racist somehow. But by the end of it, I was like, but I'm also, but like, this is clearly a character choice this actor has made. I hope it, I really, I really hope it, I hope I really was, like, hope it listen, was a character choice. can I be choice. eating donuts? Like, I really want yeah. that agency to have been there. Because again, this movie, this is multiple, we see in multiple fronts yeah. how this movie commits well, that's to these why th- character through line details, yeah. the donut, the apartment joke. Like that's why by the end of it, I was like, oh, way. this feels like a choice versus but initially I was like, oh, God, why does why does eating a donut feel racist? But then by the end of it, I was like, no, 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 this is the character. I understand it now. This is the yeah, film. this this is this is the character. And I love that. Like, and again, speaking to the dry humor of this movie. Um, they're one of the the weather events that Stacey Keach sets up to target uh, the the senator is he like he sets up these monitors in some government building where he knows the senator is going to be and he like pushes a button and it initiates like a floating orb of ball lightning in the middle of a chamber and it starts like striking people and killing them and it's cool really cool effect I was really taken aback by the boldness of this choice yeah. because the senator's second in command. <clears throat> in very like Trump fashion is his daughter, Chloe. And he like, she walks out of an elevator in this building as the ball lightning is going nuts. And she gets struck by it falls over a railing down like one or two stories and like dies on impact in this rotunda. And you see like the blood splatter Mm -hmm. of her head pouring out on the floor. I was like, holy shit, they just killed the kid. Like, she's not like a child child, but like, they just killed the senator's kid. I appreciated that moment of stakes raising yeah. when a lot of times you get red shirt, like you mostly get red shirt deaths in in these disaster movies, with the exception of Super Cyclone that invested half of its movie in the oil rig guys who killed themselves by jumping from the rig into boiling ocean water. Yeah. And we watched them violently die. Like, you didn't see that one coming. And it really, like, the senator is like, your father just killed my daughter, so give me good reason why I shouldn't kill his two sons. 
And this leads into them being in like a special tent. They've made like a triage tent where they're they're having like this this task force meet to stop Stacy Keach. And this like he's reading off their resumes to them. He's like MacArthur shortlist finalist, like Rhodes scholar. He's like listing off their resumes. Like so, how did three geniuses end up in this situation? And the Samantha tells him something about like I forget what the Clark's law is that she's what Clark's law is. Yeah, it, well, I I don't remember either, but I remember she mentions it. Yeah, she says something um, about like, and I, I can look it up, but she's suddenly like, "Oh, that's Clark's law," and he just looks at her and goes, "Who's Clark?" <laughs> and it was like, "This is great. This is we keep giving these little yeah. these little morsels of dry humor here," and she gives like a little kind of like eyes wide, like never mind. Yeah, like Clark Clark's not important right now. <laughs> I, I one thing I do want to when when the daughter dies in the rotunda, oh, which by the way is happening at the Supreme Court, which seemed like a terrible place. Supreme Court, okay. It seemed like a terrible place to take the guy that everyone at this point knows is like they've is is being pursued by a supervillain. But I love that as Stacy uh-huh. Keach leaves the scene to the destruction, he gets into the elevator and the elevator doors just close on yes. him dramatically, and I'm just like I. I yep. enjoyed every single choice they made with Stacy Keach. Is I guess the point of of this little. He, I did too. And the fact that I we got too. a dramatic stare of Stacy Keach staring dramatically through an elevator as he watches the destruction he unfolded. Love it. I'm in. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that that still functioning elevator. Yes, Clark's law. What the the senator says to her, like, you know, what I saw in that building was more magic than science. Oh, that's and she right. Says, well, sir, any sufficiently advanced technology is indis- you know, is that is indistinguishable from magic. Like that's that's Clark's law. And he's who's Clark? Yeah. And I liked that we had there was there was the bureaucracy was an issue, but it wasn't totally the issue. Like the DARPA guy is pretty much totally on board. Yeah. The DARPA general is pretty much totally backing these people. And the fact of, we have just like, the, 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 the facts of what the disasters are in this movie give us the incredible opportunity to have a moment where they've resolved, they're like, okay, how are we going to stop dad? We need to figure this out. Well, what they realize is that he is using the earth as a superconductor yes. in order to adjust weather. And so what they can do is, is they can use set what they're going to do is use satellites to util to like create as a different energy grid as like an energy grid in space mm-hmm. to make their own weather to fight weather with weather so they're going to instead of using nukes and bombs like we typically do in these movies they're going to find out where Stacy Keach is and disable his operation by fighting him with weather and they that gives us a great moment where they're like, I think Jason London says something like, they've got their grid on Earth. We've got our own grid in space. Mm-hmm. And we like see satellites arranging on a screen. And then there's a there's like a total David Caruso in CSI Miami moment where the head of DARPA yes. goes, I think we've just initiated a weather war. Yeah. It's like, yes. I, and that happened. Or we, right, just declared we just declared a weather war. I have that in my notes because it happened just as I was sitting there being like, this is good. But I don't feel like the title is accurate. And I had just had that thought of like, <laughs> right? I, okay, like there's a lot Who's of weather, but there's, there's only no one war. side yeah. here. Yeah. It, like this feels like this could have had a better title. And right as I was thinking that, then he says, 
Like some what because what happens is the center is like, what's going on? So what just happened? Yeah, yeah. And that's and yeah, what all the, the science is happening around him, and he's like, someone tell me what's happening here. And then the and then the DARPA guy's like, I think we've just declared a weather war. And it's just and then he said the name of the thing in the thing. And I was like, Yep, you know what? We've declared a weather war. I'm in, I'm in. I have no questions about the title anymore. We're in a weather war. Yeah. 100%. Are we some kind of weather war squad. Yeah. <laughs> And I, yeah. I love that. And that it. was, that I was do after like, a delightful, by the way, hacking the mainframe sequence. Oh my God. As, and I mean, we get a specific invocation of the mainframe. Yeah. They're like, how are we going to stop this guy? We need a like, big we enough. We need this and this and, and this. A, and, a and if we have a big enough mainframe. And then they, Samantha Winter says, if we, and if we have a big enough mainframe, we can stop him. They hack. I don't know how big mainframes can be. I don't know if they exist in sizes relative to one another. I, I guess we know that's about the biggest one. Seven, seven standard issue mainframe, seven feet. Yeah. yeah. Well, if we have a 10 footer, we can take out Stacey Keach in the weather wars. All it takes is, you know, you just have to have some gumption and a big enough mainframe, guys. <laughs> we get, we've just declared a weather war. And if we have a big enough mainframe in the same movie, like what, what a treat that is. And we get the excellent, science montage oh. of like they're trying to find Stacey Keach they're trying to ha- they're trying to solve the problem they're, they have mainframes big mainframes and like it's just the cinematography is having so much fun in this sequence there is a moment where it is <laughs> there's like a dolly zoom happening on the younger brother and Samantha there is a full like camera keeps spinning mm-hmm. 360 around our scientists as they're doing science at computers and at certain points it just focuses on a laptop that is on a spinning plot that's on like a lazy Susan that is just rotating it's just a laptop mm-hmm. with like getting into the terminal, like that kind of like language and formatting, there's just a laptop spinning yeah. with like a terminal screen opened up on it. And it is, it goes on for long enough to where at a certain point, it just cuts to the laptop. Nobody is around it. It's just the spinning laptop. I loved, it was so hackers, budget hackers in 1995. It was incredible. I, yeah, I had, I enjoyed it. Felt it felt almost comically long, but in a way it that was. I was yeah. But it was never. I was like, okay, they guys, just kept showing the laptop. Showing you don't the have anything left. Yes, there was just the laptop <laughs> spinning, and I, and and it is like that is always the problem. Like, how do you make people sitting at a computer entertaining? Yeah. And they found a yeah. way, and that way was just lean the fuck into it to the point where it's absurd. It yeah, was great. That it was great, and I love that. Like, I love that it doesn't resort to bombs because they're like, no, no, no. Once we know where he is, like we're not gonna we're not gonna fry him. We're gonna fight weather with weather because mm-hmm. they can't because they're like you know Delta Delta Force will be inbound in thirty minutes and they're like you can't get through this storm. It, it'll mm-hmm. destroy everything because he it, you know he's the final. It seems like the final leg of the plan is being instituted. He and we see like DC is being taken over by the final series of storms. Mm-hmm. The pond, the reflecting pond in front of the Lincoln Memorial freezes over and like hails rattling off of it. At one point the DARPA guy looks onto a monitor. He's like, it's going up Pennsylvania Avenue. The weather is going up yeah. Pennsylvania Avenue like it's driving a car. And we see all of this happening and it is just the in the the sincerity with which it is all unfolding in front of us it's not even like this the thing that th- this movie did really well that i was really impressed by was that this can be done really well when it's extremely ridiculous 
it's hard or it's hard to do this and play it totally straight. Yeah. Which is pretty much what's happening in this movie. It's not like Stonado's silly. It's not like, well, we better shoot a nuclear ordinance into a tornado with a potato gun. Like, it's not that kind of crazy. Everything feels like very, very down to earth within its context. Yeah. And the acting is pretty good and the ensemble works together pretty well you never get the sense that people are self-conscious to be in this and that's the key like and that's what makes it work is that there's never a moment you're like oh these people are self-conscious or embarrassed to be here like in the same way that ming na wen like committed Uh uh-huh they really they're like nope we're doing this and there was no sense with the with the movie itself either the movie was like yeah we know this is ridiculous and dumb the movie was just like no you're gonna be in for this we're getting storms, guys. This is what's happening. We're getting storms. We're getting storms. And so they decide to fight weather with weather. Yeah. And that is a completely reasonable solution and so much better than deciding to go with the tried and true nuclear bomb. Yeah, this just made sense in this case. And so then they fought this weather. just made sense. They fought weather with weather. Um, I mean, granted, there was a degree to which I was like, um, so Stacey Keach doesn't know there's a tornado outside because he's inside of this decommissioned yeah. nuclear plant and he doesn't know that yeah. they're – like he doesn't know about your plan, guys. There's no – there was no warning message sent to him. But I didn't really care because at that point, other brother has escaped. Yeah. And has he's gone – He's like, to- fuck, they're going to kill dad. I got to – like. Yeah. I want to end this, but I've got to protect him. Yeah, he doesn't want his dad to die. So he goes and like runs to his dad to save him. And instead, the dad ends, and instead Marcus ends up falling over the side of the railing and which like dramatically mirrors, of course, the daughter, Chloe, yes. who has died, that she's fallen over. Interestingly, in terms of deaths, we get like as much as we get weather deaths, we get deaths from impact. Um, yes. And so he falls over and and other brother is like, I'm going to stay with you, dad while this happens and he yeah, fully picks like, he, he as the dad has been like i was wrong all along it was you you were the child it was very like yeah the exchange is so similar to an empire strikes back when darth vader is oh, like yeah you and i can rule the universe hand in hand father and son it was very yeah. in line with that vibe again going to that yep. whole like this feels like a supervillain origin story it does. Yeah, because because they got- keep they keep the brother. They keep the brother with one foot in each side really yeah. up until the very end because when he goes to the the power plant mm-hmm. to stop his dad, he calls his brother. Yeah. And he tells him the truth. They're like J- Jason Lennon's like, "Where are you?" He's like, "I went to get dad. This is where he is. This is where you can find him. Yeah. Here's what he's doing. What we can do to stop him is if he's using the earth as a conductor, well, then we can. And then he gets cut off because yeah. Stacey Keith shows up. He takes the phone out of his hand. He's like, he won't be calling you back. So he went there. He didn't just say, dad, let's get out of here. Let's stop this right now. They're going to kill you. Like, mm-hmm. I can protect you. Like, let's ne- leave now. He is trying to stop the weather disasters, but yeah. he is trying to protect his dad. So in that final moment, when like you see Stacy Keach's laptop gets destroyed, and that basically ends everything. Like a beam falls on Stacy's Stacy Keach's laptop, and it's like, oh, they're with the command center. So the like the the weather terror stops. Yes. So that means the military can stop initiating their own weather, their own half of the weather war. And the the son is leaning over the dad, like, yeah, like I'm not gonna leave you, dad. I was like, fuck, don't kill yourself for your your terrorist dad. Yeah. But then he like kind of picks up his body and like sort drags him out and you don't really know what happened so it's up until that last moment until his dad gives him that one thing that he needs more than anything which is validation he says it was always you that is his that is the brother's point 
of no return. That is the moment of pure radicalization. When he's like going off the grid, he's as smart as his dad. And then the last thing we see is Jason London and Samantha Winter, who are are now together. They're at the graveside because there are now headstones for both Stacey Keach and the younger brother. And they're like, God, I can't believe, you know, this happened or I'm never going to see him again. And they walk off holding hands. And then we cut to the younger brother standing by his own graveside, watching them walk away. And I was like, evil. Where is Weather Wars 2? Yeah. Where's Weather Wars 2? Because now it's personal. Now it's personal. Now it's personal. And I couldn't get over, just have to say, couldn't get over the entire time how much the actor, was it Wes Brown? Um, how much Wes Brown looks like a one-to-one mashup of Julian McMahon and Curse Smith. Yes. No, he looked ex- so much, like it, he had such Julian McMahon he was both of them yeah. at, very point, at various points in time. Such I was like, well, Julian- you can't be both. Yeah. No, he he absolutely like, and he had a very Doctor Doom vibe by the end of it. And I was like, "Yep, that is a hundred percent Julian McMahon." Yeah. Yep, yep. And I just, I, I really think this movie picked its lane. Yeah, and stayed in it really effectively. No, it did. It did really. It tried hard, and it came. It came out. It tried its best. I gotta respect it for that. I gotta say, Jordan, <laughs> I was. I, to be very honest, I mean, I was not as into it um, uh-huh, uh-huh. prior to this conversation. And your enthusiasm- I'm glad we were able to tease out some things. Yeah. Your enthusiasm for this film has has made me be like, you know what? Actually, I was being harsh on it before. I, <laughs> I, was, being, I was being tougher on it than necessary. Stacey Keach, superhuman runner, yeah. maybe poisoned the well a bit too heavily for you. No, I actually really time, liked that. It which was, is legit. So my thing was I didn't like Jason London. So okay. that's- Okay, that I was, can see that. I can see that going either way. I, I respect that. That was I my that. hurdle was I was it so- It worked for me. I was so not a fan of Jason London. If it had been a Casper Van Dien, I would have been different about it. Oh, well, gosh. Best case scenario. Right, of course. But like- I was there's something about Jason London that I just was not a fan of, and that made mm-hmm. it harder. But okay. now, but like you've you've made some very compelling arguments and kind of brought me <laughs> brought me to the other side on this one. And I think that that takes us into the into uh, what was this movie really about, Jordan? Yeah. Uh, after this short break from our sponsor, our beloved sponsor, folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones. Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and to filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and they ship in compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Let's watch more movies. And of course... As a special code for all the listeners, don't forget, forget, use code DISASTERDIVA at checkout for a special show-exclusive discount. And, of course, uh, Super Yaki is a small business based in Houston. Yes. Um, Lovely people. 
they bring so much joy to people who follow them on the internet daily and they have been going through it with all of the truly disaster level weather events happening in Texas right now. So we send all of our love out to Super Yaki yeah. and we hope that they and everyone they know are doing all right these days. Yep. And to, of course, to our Texas-based, if we have any Texas-based disaster divas, um, yeah. obviously we are thinking of you guys and uh, hope that you're all safe and well because, yes. yeah, that is – that was the one thing as we as when I was before I turned this on weather wars on I was like fuck yeah this is a, a hell of a week to pick that um, as twenty twenty and twenty twenty one continue on improving that disaster movies are the just like the yep. best case scenario so <clears throat> the portrait of our present I mean it's we're we're in the stage of it, it feels like the beginning. It feels like the beginning of a of a Roland Emmerich movie before yeah. somebody realizes that the core of the Earth has stopped spinning. Yeah, or that the sun's gonna turn off. Like it feels like that period of time before some rogue scientist discovers the absolutely insane thing that's happening. Um, that's a a real point of beyond the Rubicon yeah. kind of juncture. So, so uh, we take think, it, everybody. Yeah. So we think, and so just thanks if you guys are still listening to us. Um, in spite of going through your own disasters, thanks for for hanging out with us. Yes. Regardless, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And we hope we can provide some solace <laughs> uh, in this yeah. very specific context for when we talk at, like, you know, when we, when we give movies uh, perhaps way more airtime you've ever considered them needing <laughs> for. <laughs> you mean we don't need to give an hour and 15 minutes to Weather Wars? I, I love it when I like last week's was a great example yeah. of you being like, well, we definitely didn't need to be on for an hour and a half about this particular movie. So let's wrap it up. Uh, Sometimes, you know, and I was going to probably start pushing us toward that with the uh, reality index. Because, again, as much as I enjoyed Weather Wars now in retrospect. Yeah, just this doesn't need to be in retrospect. It doesn't need to be an hour and a half on Weather Wars. So, Jordan, um, what do you think the film was yes. really about? I think this is really uh, I think this is a good old fashioned like tale about the um the difficulties of like the father-son relationship that that paternal mm -hmm. bond with sons uh that you know i think really gets it how we raise boys you know i i'm not gonna say it's about toxic masculinity i'm going to say it's about like how boys are raised what they are sort of how they are conditioned to compete for resources how there is the the sort of domination culture around what it is to be a properly masculine individual. And I, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's <clears throat> something I could expound on t too terribly long in the way that I'm tend to inclined to do. But I think it, it does, it does tease out those questions of like, how do we socialize our young men? How do we, how do we get them to buy into the social contract? What are the conditions of their aspect of the social contract versus women that they're socialized with? Um, and I think, you know, it advocates for more, it, it advocates as, as, as we all should for more tenderness and empathy in how our, our boys in this world are, are raised and conditioned to um, expect certain things of people and, and possible entitlements that they are, that they are raised to have um, as opposed to, um, taking a more, I don't know, soft or um, egalitarian view of, of how we all exist in the world together. So yeah, I'm going to say it's about uh, the need to Im the need to impart more empathy and uh, more sensitivity into our raising of young men in this world. Okay, I like it. 
Yeah, I would say like mine's kind of the counterpoint to that, which is that uh-huh. this film is – this is a film about um, the way that parents can mistake their legacies mm-hmm. and can kind of misunderstand what their mm-hmm. legacies truly are. Because yep, yep. the whole kind of impetus for this is, of course, that Stacey Keach's like lifelong project that he very obviously mm-hmm. has neglected his sons in favor of is put to a halt. And so mm-hmm. the real legacy that he could leave yes. behind could have been these two, you know, clearly brilliant sons. And what ends up happening is that the legacy mm-hmm. he leaves behind is that he creates another little, you know, another supervillain. And so I think yeah. that's kind of an interesting aspect to it that this movie is about kind of misunderstanding what your legacy and miss what's the way I want to put this? Um putting value in the wrong things. This is a film about a man who puts value in the wrong things and misunderstands what his legacy mm-hmm. could and should be. And, and as a result, and I would even expand this out to, you know, powerful people as a whole, misunderstanding what their legacy could be in favor of what they mm. let their legacy become. Right. Um, and I would say that's, this is really yes. a metaphor for that, um, that, you know, for, for so many people in government, their legacy becomes the military industrial complex or the weather industrial complex in this case. Yep. And it leads to greater death, destruction, and pain. So that's that's to me what yep. this film is about. I am totally I, I love those as complimentary. Yeah. I think they absolutely I love those as complimentary. As things. often happens with the, the two of us with it, like because I think that that which speaks to you know just how much what the movie really is about can be when you and I are kind of on the same path and they kind of bookend each other. I'm like, yeah, that, yes, well done, us, well done, movie team. Yeah. <laughs> And so do you have do you have fantasy casting for this? Just one. Just one. We're remaking just this. One. There's only one thing I'm doing. And so you're taking Jason London out, aren't no, you? No, I would. Um, but I didn't do that. I, it's not Jason London. Because I'm gonna I I just all the only thing that mattered to me is that you need to have if we're gonna remake this film, you need a supervillain who's just go, doing the most. Fair. And uh it's it can't be Stacey Keach, so <laughs> it's gonna be Mark Hamill. Oh my god. And I don't care. Yeah, that would work. I don't care who no, they cast work. around him. I don't care what they do. Yeah. Other than that, it's Mark Hamill. And they'll yeah, figure no, out that, the rest that of makes it. A lot of but sense. I just, I want to see Mark Hamill controlling the weather. I want to see Mark Hamill <laughs> in the hat and full length coat running away from his adult sons. And I want to see uh-huh. Mark Hamill on all of the screens announcing to his fellow Washingtonians that this is a punishment <laughs> for the, having elected these people. Oh yeah, that's a great yeah. that's a great moment where it's like you voted for these people, so you're just as guilty. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay, that's a real that's a moment in 2020. It it, it felt very damning. Jordan, how are you casting? <laughs> are you are you changing this cast up? You know, I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I yeah. like I like the gal who they have playing Samantha Winter, yeah. and like I I want her to have this. And I did really buy into Jason London. I like. I could go Kerr Smith or Julian McMahon for the other brother. Yeah. That'd be kind of a weird age, but like I could, but I also like the guy as a hybrid of both of those things. So I don't know why I would pick one or the other. Um, the DARPA general was just too good, like too good in his bit role. Stacy Keach growling through his like occasional monologues. I liked it. Yeah. I, I I thought this was just, I thought everyone was the right piece on the chessboard for this one. Yeah, it was a good, it, it was a cast that worked. That's why, like, I I don't want to change, there's not much that I would change. It's just that if someone comes to me, it's like, you got to remake mm-hmm. this, and I'm going to start it off with Mark Hamill. Yeah. No, that's, the, and we'll that's go from a great, there. Yeah, he would, he would 
go he would leave it all on the field oh he would a hundred he would have a grand old time he'd be yeah. bathing in the river river of ham as kind yeah. of <laughs> absolutely so does that is that now towering in front yeah, of time yeah how many towering in all right, what are you doing uh, what are you doing I mean, I still, like, I think I could go, like, a, I think I'm going to give it a three. I'm, okay. I'm still, I can't 100% because it did require a post-movie Jordan hyping it up for me. So yeah. I can't go harder it's than true. that. You know, you know what? Three and a half. I'm going to, because it, it did have such a good density of disasters. Okay. They really fucking committed to that. It, like, the disaster density was really strong. It was. The destruction of the capital. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, that was that was great The lightning stuff. strikes, the pent. Like, they really went I, all out. Yeah. Yeah. That was really yeah. that was they 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 put the right amount of attention into that stuff. Jordan, what are you giving this? I'm giving it a four point two five. Oh my god! Good for you. Good for I, them. It's not Earth. It's not Earth catastrophe. Like the level of ambition of Earth catastrophe with a four point five is so far are like made for TV high watermark. Yeah. Um. But I really wanted to like. It, it's very important to me to reaffirm that you know what these movies can can be just as good as the big budget yeah. ones. I'm not grading them on a sliding scale. Be like, I, I'm not grading them on an objective scale of like, well, unless you're the wave, like I can't give you a high mark. So it's like, no, no, this, this, I got to prove it with this one that these movies can break that four threshold. And I just, the, the, the romantic elements were handled so much better than we typically see them in these movies, which are like egregious offenders generally of like gender dynamics. Yeah. Um, the 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 through lines of of humor and the the dry humor was was so effective for me the the continuity of of how the arcs went through the the, the arcs that each character got to have um that we got a super villain origin story uh i the creative solution of fighting weather with weather instead of fighting it with bombs particularly nuclear ones it looked every nothing like everything looked just as everything looked like a movie of this budget level should it didn't look like tacky it didn't look like yeah. it, it really like it whatever its resources were i felt like it used them so effectively and so efficiently i thought the cast chemistry was really strong 4.25 for me i can't I, I can't hate on that i mean i gotta <laughs> i have nothing but respect for it <laughs> a real to be special guys yeah <laughs> so Exciting for next week. You guys, so we've got next week. Um, I'm thrilled about this one because I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, we have Allie Ward, who is the host of Ologies, um, which is a fabulous, yes. awesome science podcast. will be coming and joining us to do The Swarm, which is, of course, an, one of Erwin Allen's um, lesser received, let's say, <laughs> movies about bees. <laughs> And that you can find movies about bees. <laughs> it's a movie about a bee, you know. Uh, where, where can we find that? Sorry, I should have looked that up. No, I didn't either. So I, I too, All right. have been derelict in this matter. All right, and you can find that. That is rentable, um, of course, on Amazon Video, on Google Play, but it's mm. also available on TCM. So you could watch that streaming. Oh, okay, you can watch that streaming there as well. So. We'll be joined next week by uh, Allie Ward. So that's really cool and exciting. And Jordan. Excellent. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. Um, you can hear me on the Ots Tyrion podcast if you want to hear about the pop culture landscape and horror movies of the two millennial era, 2000s. 
Um, and then Patreon, patreon.com slash Cruciola. So got a recent post up about Taylor Swift. Um, thinking about writing about the the Mortal Kombat trailer. Uh, a little something because I just can't stop thinking about how bug fuck awesome that thing was. So yeah, check it all out. Check it all out. All right. And Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at your local Popeyes or on Twitter oh, God, and Instagram so at Jason Halftones. I know I'm like very hungry right now. And uh, <laughs> they, T-Mobile runs like a Tuesday promotion every week where they give you some some goodies. And this week it's a Popeyes oh. coupon. And, you know, oh, yeah. Wow, I want in. a biscuit and some iced tea. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, Instagram yeah. and Twitter <laughs> at Jason Halftones. Um, I'm I don't know. I'm doing some comic stuff that'll be up there at some point soon. Cool. And then, of course, I'm Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Two Bs. And uh, that's where you can find me, just incessantly on Twitter. And uh, the podcast is disaster underscore pod. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. And actually, you know what, guys? Should we, like, share that awesome fucking email that we got? Yeah, I think at least an excerpt. At least an excerpt. We finally got an email, and it was very nice. It was so so nice. And- Pull a graph from if that. If you're if you're if you're pulling up that email, I can yeah. share a couple of reviews if you guys like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's go. Uh, here's one review from Poozers Pop seventy one. Uh, the title is hilarious, and uh, the body of the review says, "I really like this quirky little show." What can I tell <laughs> yeah. you? Perfect. Great. Perfect. Succinct to yeah. the point, and we are we That's are excellent. nothing if not quirky. Yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful. We we love it absolutely. Absolutely love it. Um, another one. Now, this must be in <laughs> some some kind of reference to something Amanda must have tweeted out at some point. Okay. But, uh, uh, the title of this review is Doing My Part. It's yes. another uh, five-star oh, review. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And this says, I have never listened to Disaster Girls, despite its great <laughs> premise, but, will not, but it will not lose to Michael Cohen, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, that is, guys. It, that is great. Guys, That's an ally. Just to clarify, uh, Michael Cohen has a podcast and he's got like a thousand reviews. And uh, so, yeah, we should got get it. more reviews because I refuse. I, I just like think it's wrong that Michael Cohen has podcast has more reviews than we have. No, that's outstanding. Well, that, thank, that's you a, thank you, Piper. citizen. Yeah. Thank you, citizen. Kaylee and Piper, you're, you're the real heroes. Uh, and I hope that you are now listening. Uh, yeah, give us a try. So from Richard Lewis, we got this great email and it's very long. I'm not going to read all of it because most, and he includes like a great suggestion of a movie that we should include, that we should cover. Um, but he said, I'm a fan of the show for life now, so keep it up. I love Jordan's laugh. One of the richest, most theatrical laughs I've ever heard. And I, (laughs) it is. And I love Amanda's firm stand on Indominus Rex, which makes me cackle every time I hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm- <laughs> <laughs> we've resolved we've resolved del taco we've not yet resolved we have not- indominus yeah. rex, indominus rex I'm is glad gonna they, i'm glad they like it because indominus your indominus rex opinion makes me want to fucking scream <laughs> i do I think it's like one of your movie. i do think it's one of your worst takes <laughs> i don't like that movie to be clear but i think that take is insane no no, absolutely insane. No, nope. capitalism born, would self monitor. It is born out from our experience with zoos. Oh I refuse. God. Both of you, <laughs> shut up. I'm going to keep reading this. I'm just not. Re- keep I'm going to keep reading. Keep reading. I'm Go a movie it. theater manager by trade, which means currently I'm spending my work days doing deep cleaning oh. projects in an em- empty, temporarily closed theater. But listening, oh, yeah. no, but listening to you two makes the day go by smoother. Also, I would definitely buy a Shelley Winter shirt. <laughs> stop killing Shelly Winters. So hey, and stop it. 
Richard oh, Sid Lewis. Her. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Richard Lewis, for real, Pro- props to whoever is employing you, because um, I have multiple friends who were movie theater managers that uh, were definitely laid off very quick into the pandemic. Uh, and so that's that's dope that they're keeping you employed. And um, I anybody, cannot wait. Anybody out there in movie theater exhibition, our thoughts are with you. Yeah. Our thoughts Truly. are with you. Yeah. And, I, and I, was, once, I was a projectionist for a long time, and I can't imagine going through all this. Once we're allowed to go to theaters again, I'm just saying, if you're out yeah. there and you're a listener... Let us know, and we will we will help program a disaster diva evening. We have oh, to yeah. we have to find a way to 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 get a to get a night at the movies. Oh yeah. my gosh! I I will be rushing back into theaters as soon as uh, it is safe. <laughs> as soon as Doctor Anthony Fauci says, "Hey, go to yeah. movies again." I'm fucking. I'm there. I'm there yeah. for a week straight. God, it'll just be it'll just be like a national bank holiday week where everybody just goes to the movies seriously i like i will probably call in sick to work for that week or something or like schedule <laughs> vacation we'll do it uh in a real way but, uh yeah i'm yeah man anyway thank you thank you to all the the theater yes, workers you so i know much. there's frontline workers and stuff like that out there but theater workers oh i really value theater workers are the real heroes let's be honest guys <laughs> just personally i value your contribution quite a lot <laughs> anyway Guys, I think that that's, we've done, we've tackled weather wars. You're both still wrong about Indominus Rex. And uh, we'll see y'all back, <laughs> see y'all back next week for The Swarm with Allie Ward. Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.